Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 243 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. In the depths of winter, thoughts turn to warmer weather and the prospect, for many, of purchasing their first nucleus colony of honeybees. Here's what to expect and what to look out for. Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. It's a frosty old start to the day this morning. In fact, it's been like this for most of the week. It's looking likely that we'll have a weekend of very cold weather, a few days early next week, but then it should hopefully break with temperatures heading back up to something around 9 or 10 degrees Celsius as we roll through towards the end of the month, which isn't going to be that far away. These colder days and nights are perfectly fine for our colonies, actually. In fact, I much prefer these sharp, bright mornings than the damp, milder days that we can often have in these winter months. It helps the bees, too. Not so much moisture in the air allows the hives to get a little drier air moving through them and, I think, prevents a lot of the mouldy conditions from taking hold as they can at times. Colonies will cluster tightly to maintain brood nest conditions. Higher temperatures will be needed now as many, if not all, of our colonies will be producing brood once more. Now, this can pose a problem for smaller colonies. Let me explain my reasoning. Although it's still very much winter, our colonies will now be thinking of the spring very much like we are. Well, maybe not quite as we are, but they will be working towards building numbers back up for spring reproduction. That's swarming to you and I. In order to do this, Workers that perish through the winter will need to be replaced, and as daylight lengthens and days warm up, the production of more brood to grow the colony, along with the production of drone brood, will also begin in earnest. For our larger colonies, this will pose no threat at all. In fact, the larger colonies on warmer days will break cluster and if you happen to be taking a look under the roof, you'll see what appears to be a box full of bees. These colonies will be moving around the entire area within the hive, accessing food, heading out on toilet flights and even carrying out a little housekeeping. On that point, do remember to check the entrance to your hives as we move forward. They can sometimes get a little blocked up and may need some help from you to keep them clear, especially if you've fitted a mouse guard. For our smaller colonies, this period can pose a threat as they slowly start to produce a limited amount of brood. Smaller clusters mean more work for the adult bees in trying to keep the temperatures high enough for the brood to survive. So they will cluster tightly around what brood they have and be very reluctant to move away. This in turn can isolate them away from their food stores and if not checked can lead to what we term isolation starvation. 
The hive, when hefted, can feel as if it is fully loaded with food stores, yet the reluctance of the bees to move away from their larvae means that they starve. The easiest way to check this is on days like today, cold and frosty, pop down to the hive and remove the roof. I should say, wear a bee suit at least, no need for a smoker, but a hive tool will come in handy. Have a pack of fondant ready and also take an eek. That's the simple wooden frame that fits on top of the brood box to give a small space above the frames, maybe an inch or two tall. We use simple roofing batten to make them. Heft the hive first to feel if you have food stores, pop the roof and have a quick look through any feed holes or porter bee escape holes. These are the oval holes that you find in a lot of national crime boards. If you can see plenty of bees but the hive is light, cut a hole in the fondant packaging and place it directly onto the crime board. With so many bees in the brood box, they'll be able to move up to the fondant and take the food easily enough. Don't feed syrup at this time of the year. The bees can utilise fondant much more easily right now. Once the bees have moved up to the fondant, they will stay in contact with it, warming it and using it readily. The smaller colonies find it more tricky to do this, and that's why we have the eek at the ready. If you can't see any bees, pop the crime board off and have a look down into the seams between the frames. If you have an open mesh floor, try looking through the hive, past the floor and at the ground beneath the hive. When you see a dark mass blocking your view, that will be the cluster of bees. It is possible, if there is plenty of food stored in the outside frames, to remove them and swap them around so that a full frame of honey is then next to the cluster of bees and it makes it more easily accessible to them. The only challenge with this is the disruption of cracking apart solid frames stuck fast with hard propolis, especially if you've squeezed in a 12th frame into a national brood box and there's no room to easily lift it out. The answer to this is to place the fondant directly onto the top bars of the brood frames, and this is why we use an eek. Placing the eek onto the brood box creates a small space above the frames and allows you to replace the crime board easily and without fuss. Pop the roof back on and let them settle again. With luck, there will be enough bees to move away from the cluster and up to the fondant, and over time, they may well find they can move slowly upwards without putting their brood nest area at risk. Hopefully, you've got nice, strong colonies at this point in the year, and you won't have to worry about feeding, but it's always worth a check. Now I know there will be a lot of new beekeepers or prospective beekeepers who are excitedly looking forward to spring and the anticipation of taking ownership of a new nucleus colony of bees, perhaps for the first time. It's a tremendously exciting time for anyone just starting out in beekeeping, but also a time of stress and worry. As you begin your beekeeping journey and try to work out how to manage all the tasks that you hear about in the magazines and books and at association meetings, online videos, my own included, and also, of course, on this very podcast. Fear not, 
it's really not at all complicated and getting to grips with your first few colonies should be something to look forward to, not give you sleepless nights. Beekeeping is easy to get started, but takes a lifetime to master, if in fact we ever do. There's always something new to surprise, even the most experienced of beekeepers. So the first thing to do is not panic about the prospect of getting started. If you are just getting started in beekeeping, you should have already pre-ordered at least one nucleus colony of bees, hopefully from a reputable source, maybe a local beekeeper at your association, or one of the many online suppliers of honeybees. Nucleus colonies have increased in price significantly over the last few years, and good ones are very much worth investing in. But as a beginner, how do you know what you're getting? I liken it to if I want to buy a vehicle. I'm not a mechanic or a car dealer. I have little knowledge in what's under the bonnet, so I'm vulnerable to getting a dud. How do I tip the scales in my favour to ensure I'm most likely getting something worth paying for? Well, first off, research. Find out all you can about the thing that you're buying. In our case, it's honeybees. There are a lot of resources out there that can help you through this important first step of procuring your first nucleus colony. And one of the most helpful is the National Bee Unit's advisory leaflet, numbered number five, Advice for Obtaining Honeybees. I'll pop a link to it in the podcast notes. It's available as a free download and will help guide you in your purchase. For now, let's think about the makeup of a nucleus colony. One that I might offer for sale, for instance. What should you look for? Well, the first thing to say is if you're a new beekeeper, you're unlikely to be able to spot exactly what's going on within a nucleus colony. So you do have to take on trust a lot of what is said about the nuke that you're buying. Many suppliers produce so many nukes for sale that being able to go along and inspect the bees prior to collecting them isn't always practical, so you do need a set of guidelines to have as a standard of what to expect. Most nucleus colonies, nuke for short, are supplied as five or maybe six frame colonies. These are ideal for beginner beekeepers, as they're not so large as to be overwhelming when initial inspections are carried out. They are usually shipped in a nuke box, This may be a temporary travel box, a returnable, more well-constructed nuke box, or you may well have paid a little extra and be sold a strong nuke box that you can keep and reuse. Because of this, prices will vary quite a lot, so do ask what type of box the bees will be supplied in. I would add, if you can email a list of your questions to the supplier, you will hopefully receive a written reply as to what you can expect. A good overwintered nucleus colony that I would be happy to supply will consist of the following. A queen, which will have been produced in the year prior to supply, so any nuke purchased in the early spring of this year, 2023, will have a queen produced in the summer of the previous year, 2022. She'll be marked and may be clipped if requested. There will be all stages of brood present from eggs through to emerging adults. In a five-frame nuke, there should be at least three frames of brood in all stages. The other two frames should be full of stores, that's honey and pollen. 
the frames should contain relatively new wax comb and not be black and full of holes. There shouldn't be signs of extensive pests and diseases such as chalk brood, wax moth or varroa to name just three examples. It often helps to have an experienced beekeeper with you when you make the transfer from nuke box into hive and as you carry out your first inspection. You should not have any frames of just wax foundation in the supplied nucleus colony. If you find your nucleus colony is just as I've described then they will be worth the investment. But occasionally things don't always turn out as you expect or hope and should you find anything you're not happy with I would suggest taking some specific close-up and in-focus photographs. This is easy enough with mobile phones and it will help you explain your concerns to the supplier. Here in the UK remember to sign up to BeeBase online and you'll get alerts and can access help and advice from the National Bee Unit. One final thing to say about getting your nucleus colonies this spring is don't be in too big a hurry to get them. Wait until the weather warms up and the bees are active. That way they'll be likely to build more comb in their new hive and expand faster, far faster than a nucleus colony moved into a bigger box too early. Very often nukes supplied slightly later will outgrow colonies that have been moved across too early and which struggle to then build up successfully. But a strong healthy overwintered nuke obtained in the spring and well looked after should have no problem in producing at least one full super of honey for you in their first season. I know because we regularly get that and more. If you are buying a nuke this spring, good luck with it and do stay tuned into the podcast and check out my videos for further help and advice. In other news, and with this cold weather set to continue for a few more days, I finally managed to get my warming cabinet built and working. I have discovered a minor design flaw which isn't going to be too difficult to rectify but it's not something I spotted early enough to include changes in the original design. Now I'm obviously not an engineer or have that kind of brain otherwise it would have probably been a very obvious error. My design is based on cladding one of those metal milk trolleys that you see here in the UK in most supermarkets and there is the design fault, it's metal. Although I've clad the outside of the cage with some pretty decent 100mm insulation, the frame extends beneath the cladding and I think it's acting as a heat sink. Warm metal cooling quickly towards the base making it difficult for the internal temperature to rise quickly because as the metal warms up it's immediately cooling down around the floor area. I do have a plan to further insulate the bottom of the warming cabinet and I'm currently getting temperatures up to 36 degrees celsius which is fine for getting the honey liquid for filtering but I'd really like to have the extra temperature capacity for preparing honey for seeding when I'm preparing the set honey and warm honey always bottles nicely when it's warm rather than cold. At the lower temperature it's going to take a few days for the honey to become fully liquid from its set state, particularly the oilseed rape honey. So if I can fix the temperature drain I might be able to get it up to the right temperature level a little bit quicker 
and once filtered or bottled, cool it down again as quickly as possible so as not to damage the delicate balance of the honey. The worst case scenario is I revert to using the api melter temporarily to warm the honey in buckets until I can resolve the heating issues or insulation issues in the warming cabinet. Finally, it won't be long before the weather breaks and our colonies will be out and about foraging once more. Just enough time to check out all of those sales that are active right now and get some additional kit that you might need for the coming season. Boxes are always good. Brood boxes and supers, nuke boxes, and should you be considering some queen rearing, maybe a few extra nuke boxes to develop some new queens in. I've been putting the brakes on new kit this winter. We still have plenty of kit to unpack from last year. A lot of poly boxes and floors that still need a little repair and a fresh coat of paint. Oh, and frames that now need wax foundation. Lots and lots of frames. I like to delay adding wax until as late as possible, so it's nice and fresh for the bees when it goes into the hive. They take to it so much better when it's fresh. The only issue we have is I need to wax around a thousand frames, so I've got to get my skates on very, very soon. I'll catch up with you all again in a week's time, but don't forget to check out my website www.norfolk-honey.co.uk and for my latest videos and podcasts with more updates, tips and techniques, it's the same Patreon page www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey. And remember, I'm Stuart Spinks and that was beekeeping short and sweet. Sweet.